Welcome to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. Hear and learn through the success of others how to build the life and business you deserve. Learn to overcome failure, what it means to seek out growth, and how to become the best possible version of yourself. And now, here's your host, coach, entrepreneur, husband and father, and author of the number one best-selling book, Survive, Scale, Soar, Jeremy Williams. And welcome back to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. Just a quick reminder, this show comes in two formats, Real Talk, which is just me and the mic talking about what's happening in the world and how it impacts your business. And Success Talks, and that's where I have the opportunity and honor to interview some of the top people in their respected industry, and they share with you what has made them successful. Today is a Success Talk, and for the first time on the podcast history, we have more than one guest. We've got a whole crew here today. We have Chris Grum, Scott McAllister, and Michael Okana. Uh, best, they're all travel agents, and they have there's so many different <laughs> there's so many different letters behind each of their names. It would take me an entire broadcast to go through them all. Trust me, they're highly experienced, and you're going to see that in their in their bios on the landing page. Uh, we're bringing them all together, though, today for their best-selling book that just came out, The Travel Advisor's Handbook. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having Thanks us. For having Thank us. you. <laughs> all right. So, Chris, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do. Well, I want to mention, first of all, that you notice if you're watching the video version of this, the person with the most letters or the best letters, Michael, does not have his letters next to his name. And I noticed that <laughs> right away. But he can he can talk more about what makes his special. Um, so I'm Chris Grum, and I'm the owner and founder of Premier Custom Travel. We're based in Iowa Colony, just outside of Pearland, outside of Houston, for those of you that don't know where Pearland or Iowa Colony are. Uh, and we're a travel agency that specializes in four different areas. We specialize in cruises. And I'm talking the cruise lines you've heard of, and then probably several dozen you've never heard of before. Uh, we also do uh, theme park va vacations like Walt Disney World, Disneyland, uh, Universal Orlando, and so on. We work with the Sandals and Beaches, all-inclusive resorts in the Caribbean. And then we also do guided and independent tours pretty much all over the world. So if there's a place you want to visit, we can get you there one way or another. And then I've also had the distinct pleasure of knowing those all three of these gentlemen in the video boxes here, the Brady Bunch. But uh, the two gentlemen that are joining as your guests, I've had the privilege of knowing for many years. Uh, Scott will get to introduce himself in a moment. He actually uh, helped me found the company and works with me at Premier Custom Travel. And then obviously all three of us are co-authors. We got to meet Michael, I guess about... 13 years ago at Cruise 360, which is uh, the industry's biggest conference for cruises. And we became fast friends. And despite the fact that we own different travel agencies, you might think that we'd be competitive. But in fact, we all got together and somehow decided to write a book. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what a great intro. So, Scott, you don't have to say anything now. But look, yeah, exactly. This is the option here. Tell us about yeah, this. Sure. Yeah. And thanks again for having all three of us on. Like you said, it was, it was took a little bit to coordinate four people to be on the show because you count, you're the host. We have to work around your schedule as well. So thanks for working with us and making this happen, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, my name is Scott McAllister. As Chris Grubb mentioned, I helped and assisted co-found Premier Custom Travel, and Chris and I work in tandem 99% of the time, uh, making sure we offer our 
guests, our clients, top-notch customer service, uh, whether it's a cruise, Disney, what have you. I'll also expand on Chris's nod to, to Michael Acana, who is uh does his own thing out in California, but just like, you know, Jeremy, you and I met in the real estate world. So just like in real estate, we have our referral partners all over the place. They might be from the same brokerage. The best qualified person might be from a different brokerage. Yes, sometimes we compete, but we also, our goal at the end of the day is to make sure everyone's happy. And in travel, what that means, if Chris and I can't assist a guest properly, or they're in California and we know Michael's going to do a great job, we our competition honestly is the internet not each other and that's how that's, that's how we true. treat this that's how we treat this relationship and i'll throw out one more fun fact about scott and i we actually met and i don't want to say how many years ago because it will really age us exactly but we actually <laughs> worked together going all the way back to radio in east texas uh uh we both worked in all the two stations yeah, we worked in the Lufkin Nacogdoches market for several years, and then we also worked together at KIKK and KILT here in Houston. So we have a connection going back to the radio days before we even decided to get into travel or writing books. So, yeah, and if you, you recognize Chris's voice as well, if you're an Arrows fan, because you were the voice of the Arrows as well for for a period that's, of time. That's right. I should have worn the rings. I actually was privileged enough to do that for eight seasons, got two championship rings, got to call an NHL game. I mean, it was an absolute blast to be able to be a part of the Houston Arrows during their heyday. Yeah. And I worked for the team the two years they didn't win a championship. So <laughs> I, I don't have a ring. <laughs> we saved Chuck Watson anything. some money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's what that's what happened to the team. All right. Yeah. Let's jump over to <laughs> among other so. things. <laughs> So, Michael, introduce, uh, tell the audience uh, where you're from. You're you're from, uh, I love San Francisco, and you're from near there. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and, and what you do out there in California. Sure. I, I'm from uh, Half Moon Bay, California, um, home of the Mavericks surf competition. Uh, we have the same weather as Half Moon Bay. Where, I mean, Half Moon Bay has the same weather as San Francisco, um, but without all the people. So kind of a <laughs> rural community out here. But I'm uh, honored uh, to collaborate with uh, Chris and Scott on the Travel Advisors Handbook. Um, Chris and Scott, um, when when they're giving you an advice, a lot of it is uh, industry advice that they've followed. I tend to serve more as a contra example. Um, here's here's how you should do it, and this is what Michael did, and here was his results. But you know, we we have some fun with that in the book. Uh, you know, basically telling people, um, here's how we advise you do it, and here's how we did it. And um, our um, our results weren't always ideal, but you can learn from that. And when we have had good results, we share that too. Um, and don't let Michael experience. fool you for a second here. Yeah, now, this this guy is the highest certified travel agent in the country as far as the letters go, Jeremy. Uh, he's not gonna brag about himself, so we will. Oh, and he put him on the screen. Thank you for that. So <laughs> Scott and I are both ECCs, which is Elite Cruise Counselor. That is the highest level of certification you can currently earn from Cruise Lines International Association. Michael has an ECCS, and I think Michael, how many? There's a dozen, maybe two dozen agents that have that certification in the entire country. 
Yeah, uh, there, there's not many people who uh, have the ECCS, but one reason is um, the Cruise Line International Association doesn't offer it anymore. I mean, I have no doubt that uh, at least two others that are occurring on this podcast would be able to qualify <laughs> for the ECCS if it, if it were um, available. And um, I guess if we're going to, um, you know, stroke each other's backs on this, um, <laughs> I did mention that uh, Chris Grum is the uh, Hall of Fame ECC of the year. Um, and there's, there's yeah, fewer of those. So, um, well, I thought it was, the, I was, I thought it was say, a Hall of Shame. I thought it was a Hall, hall of Shame. shame. Yeah, no, it was after I was inducted. <laughs> What I was going to say about myself before Chris rudely interrupted me with compliments um, <laughs> was that uh, prior to getting involved in traveling around 2006, I mean, my um, my industry was really nonprofits in all their forms, uh, social services, drug and alcohol rehab, medical research, all kinds of nonprofits. And I was doing consulting with um uh, nonprofit organizations on systems and finance. And I think you'll find that Scott and Chris both bring a rich history with other industries. And, you know, one thing that we're, we're really finding um, is that as we were writing about the travel industry, you know, there's, um, I think there's a lot of lessons learned with other industries as well. Yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's true. And, and uh, you know, you look at any any business or small business, if you look down at the core parts of the business, there's a lot of a lot of the same things that need to take place in order to provide that service or a product to the client. And then it's everything else on top of that that we do above and beyond that sets us apart. Right. And um, I know all three of you all are on this on this show for that that reason. And the the, re, the biggest reason we had y'all on today was for the book, uh, the Travel Advisor's Handbook. And I'll, I'll let one of y'all take this, but why write a book? I, I know because I, I personally did it. It's a big it's a big challenge. And and um, you know, what got you thinking about the process? Well, you know, a lot of it came from attending the conference at Cruise360, uh, Cruise that Cruise Line International Associations host annually. And as we were in the room, as they say, looking around and listening to questions that other travel advisors that were brand new to the industry or even been around for a while, but it might be their first time assist, you know, attending a conference for training, we we noticed that there was some questions, regardless of how long someone had been in the industry, that kept coming up. How do I do this? What's the best practice for that? Uh, another thing that gave us a lot of encouragement to do this was seeing you – know, there's just no good way to put it, Jeremy. We were noticing a lot of people making mistakes that were avoidable. And one of our motivations is – and Chris mentioned this in his acceptance speech – that the industry, any industry, is only as strong as its weakest link. And what we mean by that, what Chris meant by that, he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I've known him long enough, I, I can almost speak for him. But uh, you know, it, we're fighting this, this myth that I don't need a travel advisor, I can do it on the internet myself. And when somebody connects with a travel advisor that hasn't been properly trained or informed, that leaves a bad taste, not only in that particular client's mouth, but as we all know in this room, the first thing they're going to do is go out to the interwebs and talk about how 
travel advisors, not this specific one. They're not going to name them. They're just going to say, I worked with a travel advisor and I could have done it better myself. They did this, this, and this wrong. So there was a lot of things that kind of put the idea in our minds. How we got there, I'll let Chris and Michael go into that. But that's kind of what inspired us to, to even start this crazy adventure. Yeah, and I'll add one little piece to that that Scott uh, kind of teased a little bit. Uh, one of the things that happens, I, I'm amazed at how frequently it happens, to be honest with you. I'll get a call from a new customer, an email, and uh, I'll reply to them and they'll say, wow, thanks for replying. I reached out to several travel advisors and you're the first one that answered. And, and I'm always baffled by that because I wonder, then why are you in business if you don't answer a person? I understand if it takes an hour or two to answer somebody. I've got a, a phone call waiting in my voicemail right now. They called literally right before this interview. I'll call her and say, sorry, I was stuck on an interview and I'll talk to you, you know, an hour, two hours, not a big deal. But these are people that waited a week and never heard anything. And you just wonder, yeah, why are you even in business if you can't send a text or an email and say, hi, you know, I'll get this, back to you later. This is our cash register. Right. This is not my phone. This is right. a cash register. And so we we realized that um, maybe there are some other travel advisors out there that are doing the same thing that are that are not answering right away. And one of, I think one of the most popular chapters in the book is our best practices, which quite frankly could apply to any industry. It, this is a book that says the travel advisor's handbook, but there are so many lessons that you could apply to real estate, that you could apply to working right. in retail, that you could apply literally to any industry. And it's things that I, I honestly think are, duh, why are you not doing <laughs> that? But believe it or not, there are people not doing that. And that's why we put it in the book. Uh, you know, things like returning phone calls promptly, returning emails. And if you can't saying, listen, I'm busy, but I will call you in an hour. And people never say, oh, well, that's rude. They say, oh, thank you. They're amazed <laughs> that you took the time to say, I'll get back to you. And then also keep those promises. <laughs> you say you're going to call them back, do it. But it's little things like that, that we we amassed this this swath of, of ideas and assembled it into a book. And And I had been chewing around with the idea of, of putting this onto paper. But honestly, I thought it was an overwhelming task for one person. And one day I was sitting in an airport chatting with Michael on the phone. And then I said, well, you know, I've been thinking of doing this. And he said, well, you know what? We ought to all three get together and really sit down and do this. And the next thing you know, we were having weekly author meetings. <laughs> and uh, suddenly we have a we have a book. And, you know, we're, we're all three very proud of what's in it. But I think what makes us most proud is when we get a new travel advisor, even somebody that's been in the industry a while, that says this was a great read and I saw a different perspective on things. And I think, Jeremy, you know, you work in the world of real estate a lot. You can go to those real estate conferences. And even if you've been in the business 10 years, 20 years, you're a Ryan Serhant and you, you know everything there is to know. You can always learn something new. And that mm -hmm. is something that is a, an, a repeated theme in our book over and over and over again is never stop learning. Because whatever industry you're in, if you're not up to date on the latest trends and the latest things happening, you're going to get left behind. And, yep. and you're going to be embarrassed eventually when somebody calls you out on not knowing that stuff. Yeah. And for those audience members that don't know, and I think somebody alluded to it earlier, Jeremy and I first met in real estate. Yes. He recruited somebody was you, Scott, that alluded to it. By the <laughs> well, way. Well, you know, <laughs> I knew someone had a great thing I'll to say. I'll take the plug again. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Jeremy kind of recruited me for the brokerage he was with at that time. And I can't remember if it was Jeremy or somebody else at the office told me, and it's held true, and I repeat it constantly. 
They were like, Scott, you can always tell when a real estate deal could go sideways when the agent on the other side of the table starts off with, well, you know, I've been doing this for an insert number of years here. You know, yeah. If that's what they lead with. Yeah, uh, that's a so, giveaway. You know, yeah. It, and I've noticed that in travel and I've noticed it in other mm -hmm. industries. Uh, since Jeremy and I've met, it it doesn't matter how long you've been doing something mm -hmm. because the only thing that's constant is change. And if you aren't keeping up with that over the however many years you've been in that industry, it, I don't care how long you've been doing it. I want to know how current your care is. Well, and, and also, Scott, I, I would add to that, you know, sorry, Jeremy, I would say that, you know, you could be the person in the office on your very first day and have the best idea in the room. Yes. You don't have to be somebody that has 20 years of experience to have all the best ideas. And sometimes, uh, you know, unfortunately, that longer you go with that experience, the more stale sometimes things get. And you need that refresher. You need that fresh blood to kind of give you a kick in the pants and say, hey, think of new ideas. Think of new ways of approaching this. Well, one, one thing that really attracted me to working with uh, Scott and Chris, because I, I met them at Cruise 360, um, you know, a, a conference uh, down in uh, Florida. And it, it's it's like the conference for um, travel advisors that want to sell cruise travel. But Scott and Chris um, were fully present. So, you know, you run across people at conferences and throughout life that are so busy moving on to the next thing. They're not really focusing on what's happening. And when I say fully present, it's not just trying to get as much out of the conference for themselves. They were reaching out, engaging other agents and, and talking about what's going on and really being, um, you know, a connector to help agents help other agents. I mean, they were sharing their own advice. And, and that's something that, um, you know, we saw travel books out there about, you know, where to go and how to get there. But the theme of the travel advisors handbook of agents helping other agents, experienced agents helping new agents and drawing in new agents to pitch in their ideas, that really hasn't been out there. It is now. So, Michael, sticking with you, out of out of the chapters in the book, which was your favorite and why? <laughs> well, you know, I think probably my 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 favorite was um, um, is the forward by uh, Charles Sylvia, the, uh, <laughs> the one we need president of the Cruise Line <laughs> International Association. And, and you know, the the kind of the cool thing about that. If you were to go to, uh, you know, our online stores like at Amazon and browse through the book, you know, uh, Chris will probably hate that I will tell you, but the best part of the book you can just read. And that is Charles <laughs> Sylvia, well known throughout um, the industry, um, just telling about um, us and the book. So, you know, while, while there are parts of the book that uh, we wrote that we love, that forward by Charles has got to be the best. And to set the stage for, for who Charles Sylvia is, he's vice president of CLIA. But if you go to Cruise 360, he is the face of that event. He is the MC for all three general sessions and for the Hall of Fame. He was actually the person that inducted me. I was honored to have him be the person that, that read me onto the stage, so to speak. And so Charlie is talking to 57,000 travel advisors at any given time. And when we asked him, would he write the foreword for our book, we were just hoping he would say yes. 
And then that was literally the last piece of the puzzle. We had the book completed. It had been proofread. Uh, we were ready to go. The cover was designed. We were waiting on that forward. And it came in on a January evening. And you've never seen me jumping around. You thought I'd won the prices right. <laughs> I was jumping around so much. And I don't get that excited over much stuff. But I was so amazed that not only did he write an introduction, but it it um it legitimized everything that we had done over the past two years. It really brought home the fact that we had, had done something. We we hoped we had something special. When we read his introduction, we were really convinced that we had. And then uh, just recently, I, I will also share one of the other things, and it's going to be on the next edition of the book that will be on Amazon shortly. Uh, we got an incredible review from a gentleman named Scott Kep, who is uh, the, I, I don't know his exact title at Cruise Planners, but he is part of one of the largest cruise uh, uh, travel agency franchises in the world, Cruise Planners. And the praise that he gave this book was uh, unexpected and, and, and incredibly generous. And to have someone of that level give us that kind of approval was really inspiring. And I think I'll agree with Michael. That may be our favorite part of the whole book was <laughs> the little, little tending to the egos there. Love that. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of business owners don't understand that haven't made a decision to write a book and tell their story or uh, be able to help an industry through their, their knowledge is I don't think they realize the power of it connecting them to other people and opening mm -hmm. new doors. Have y'all found that to be true since writing the book? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was Michael that said it first. This is probably going to help a lot of people but it's also probably going to be our most expensive business card we have ever we have ever purchased and it really yeah absolutely we have noticed that we've had the opportunity to participate in some industry events that i don't feel we probably would have without this book and making mm -hmm. those connections when we were in the writing process uh, Chris reached out to a lot of industry executives, you know, vice presidents and CEOs of these cruise lines mm -hmm. and things. And the the feedback we received from them and the play that we've received from them absolutely has opened some doors. They know who we are. They know what we were working on. They wanted to be a part of it. I don't think we got a single no, I don't have time. No, or, we didn't. I don't think That's we true. got ghosted by a single person. They all responded. I mean, good heavens, Vicky Freed, who's senior vice president with uh, Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines, responded within 24 hours. And based on some of the information she provided, gave us proof that she actually read the book. And this mm. is a busy person in the industry. Not only did she respond, she did it within 24 hours and provided proof that she actually read the book because some of the feedback she gave us, the only way she could have provided that specific feedback is either she got lucky and turned to page 81 or she actually read the whole book. So yeah, yeah we actually have, we've, we've been invited to some naming ceremonies, uh, some stuff like that at the conference this past year, people that we knew of were coming up to us and saying, Hey, great job guys. So yeah, it's absolutely opened some doors. So I would encourage anyone that's been thinking about embarking on a project like this, whether it's writing a book, doing a blog, uh, starting a podcast or what have you, do it. If you're thinking about it, someone put that on your heart for a reason. Yeah, and so, I would add to what Scott was mentioning. Sorry, Michael. Uh, I was going to say with, with what Scott mentioned about the CEOs, that was one of the things that we did early on when we were planning the book was what can we do to get the word out about this book? Because- 
you know, marketing a book is the challenge. How do you get it out to the masses? Because you can put it on Amazon, but if people don't know it's there, you might not get any sales. So we came up with the idea of what if we started every chapter with a inspirational quote from an industry leader, the president of Carnival Cruise Line. In fact, the president of all the major cruise lines are in the book. And they provided us these. And we thought, okay, we'll just ask for that. Maybe we'll get a few of them. Every single one of them said yes. But not only that, we also said, if you have time, give us your best practice for day-to-day work. What do you do that makes you successful? Those are all in there. We also asked them, what's your best tip for travel advisors? And a lot of those are in there. They really wanted to participate, but that was our hook to kind of get them to go, hey, look, I'm in this book. And when you've got the president of a cruise line bragging on your book, that certainly helps sales. And so I would say, if you're thinking of writing that book, find that that little hook, that way to get your industry or your audience to know about you. And, And I will say we're working on our second book, which is more consumer facing. And we have a similar idea of how to get it in front of the masses because we want people to brag on it and say, look, I'm in the book. I, I, this is me. You want to read this. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, it's smart. See, I mean, the, 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 the three of us, um, but, you know, before we got too deep into the book, we had, um, you know, brought the idea before some of the other industry leaders, um, you know, some just as a concept, some with our outline and uh, we're able to get feedback from them as to, you know, what what seems to be the most needed, what's appropriate, get some insights. And then as well, um, engaging, um, you know, uh, friends and other professionals to um, read through some of our work, including our, you know, our final draft and to get their feedback. So, um, you know, we were pretty confident we had a good idea, but we were more confident in publishing once um, it had been in front of many eyes. And I'll also add one other thing. Once you've gone through the process once, and this is true with anything and probably a little common sense and maybe silly to say, but it does get easier. And it is not as hard as you might imagine to self-publish. It is, if you you do your research and you read and, and understand how things work with the different sellers, it is not something that you have to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars doing. You can do it yourself, but you do have to do the research and do the legwork. Yeah. Yeah. You know, y'all have talked about the industry leaders and our friends and everything that contributed to the book. So I'm going to read one of my favorite ones here on the podcast. So it is forever submitted in history. And now, ladies and gentlemen, story time with Scott. (laughs) Choosing not to carry out your commitment means you are never committed from the start. You either committed or you're not. Jeremy Williams, head coach, business owner, Red Hawk Coaching. Chapter 20, ladies and gentlemen, for advocacy and politics. So, yeah, we we didn't just stick to our industry people. We also mm-hmm. went to other people that are smarter than us. <laughs> and that's what you do well, in life, right? <laughs> wherever he is in the box, that guy. Yeah, wherever Jeremy is. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to participate. And, and I think that's a powerful way of, of conceptualizing a book, especially with, with what y'all were doing, is to give credibility that it's not all coming just from you and your own personal thoughts, but to pull it in, pull in all these other industry leaders, people across industries, Uh, You know, some of the people at the top of the industries that that y'all work within, because it does add that third party credibility to the to the book and just makes if I if I'm looking at it as the consumer and I'm maybe in the travel industry and I'm like, well, gosh, if all these people support it 
and all these ideas are there, maybe that's something I should, should invest in. So it's, you up the value of the book by, by doing that. I don't know how much value I added, hopefully a little bit and appreciate <laughs> the opportunity. But I, I think it was a smart move on your part uh, to be able to do that. And I'm participating in a project like that as well, writing a book for uh, youth that's going to go out and it's going to be an international bestseller and I'm going to be contributing a, a couple chapters to it. So there's opportunities like that. And if you're a business owner, write your own book, but also take the advantage of when you're writing your own book, bring others in to help collaborate with you. Yeah. And we also say in the book several times, and I think it's in the first letter in the, the first paragraph of our author's introduction, we are experts in our field, but we don't know everything. We're right. always learning and we can make mistakes, but here are the mistakes we made. Don't you make them as well. And we're always open to hearing ideas. And in fact, our website, tahandbook.com, which is where you can buy the book and also interact with other um, people that have read the book, we set up message boards there because we wanted to be able to share ideas and be able to have people um, say, okay, I read the chapter on doing a cruise night where I'm going to host an event, but I don't know how to do it. Help me out. What did you do that was successful? What did you do that wasn't successful? <laughs> but I think that's the other thing is you have to have a little bit of that humble pie. You have to be able to say, I don't know everything, but it's okay to do that. And that might be my favorite chapter in the book is the last one where we say, it's okay to say, I don't know. Um, you know, there's a major theme park company that starts with D and ends in Disney that tells their employees, <laughs> you don't ever say, I don't know. And, and I understand the concept behind that, but I would tend to say, it's okay to say, I don't know, but tell them you'll get the answer. It's a lot better than saying, oh yeah, Jeremy, don't worry. That hotel has twin beds. I know it does for sure. Maybe, maybe not. And then you get there and you're upset. But if you say, you know what? I don't know, but I'll find out. A customer has never been mad at me for saying that. And in fact, they're always grateful that we do take the time to find the answer. And I think that's a key no matter what industry you're in. So I want to ask something specific about your industry and get feedback from each of y'all on this is I, I got a, I got approached the other day by somebody that it's, it's a multi-level travel agency company. Hey, you can do this on the side, Jeremy, make a few mm -hmm. extra dollars. And I'm seeing that more and more. And it's not just, it's not just in travel. There's a right. bunch of industries that are getting into the multi-level marketing type type things. Hey, if I recruit you and you recruit them, and how concerning is that to the industry as a whole <laughs> and the changes that are coming with that? And how do you stem that with what you provide? Well, the that's honestly one of the contributing factors for us wanting to do this book because we have experienced it. We've met some of them. And when you are spending more time training people on how to recruit to make their money versus training them how to do the dadgum job that's associated with the title that they chose, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> you know, it's so that that great question. I'm glad you asked it. That absolutely had to do with why we wrote this. And that's why it, I believe, is the first chapter we kind of talk about time blocking and asking, now is the time to think about what made you decide to get into this industry. We welcome everybody if you're here for the right reasons. If you're here to recruit, there's other things you could do. You could be a professional headhunter and probably make more money than joining an MLM for a travel industry. We're not trying to be mean, but that can do more harm to the public's perception of our industry mm -hmm. than good. So at some point, yeah, 
have to be willing to have that tough conversation with somebody or a group of people. Yes, we've seen it. We're hoping that that first chapter of the book might sway some people to look at it that way and understand, hey, I can do this. I can do it right. And as a byproduct, I can still recruit other people to do it. But my focus needs to be on learning my product and doing my job. Good answer. Yeah. Michael, do you want to jump in before me or go ahead? Um, well, sure. Uh, um, we, we talk about a lot of models for uh, selling travel. I mean, um, you know, like host agencies, for example, or, or going on your own. Um, you know, there, there are a variety of models. Uh, we, we don't talk a lot about MLM. And, and I think that, um, you know, I, I know I personally don't have a lot of experience now. I mean, my mom was like, Mary Kay, Stanley Products, Tupperware. I mean, you know, she did a lot of uh, um, MLM uh, businesses, I remember when growing up. And I, and I think that, you know, it has a place. I mean, it it gave her the opportunity to uh, do some, you know, work and in, in various kinds of distribution. But when somebody focuses more on recruitment than the business itself, I think it can be, you know, confusing to the industry. And um, I mean, I have some friends that are that work under the MLM model and um, are producing agents. I mean, they, they, they do great. And then I've also been annoyed by <laughs> MLM um, people that have tried to recruit me at industry events where, I mean, that type of recruitment there just isn't appropriate. So I, I think that, um, you know, if, um, if a business is going to sell travel under MLM, I mean, personally, I'd appreciate it if they... Um, you know, taught, taught a little bit of etiquette about when it's appropriate to recruit and when it's appropriate to sell. Um, but I think the same can be true with people who work under other models as well. I mean, you know, it takes a while to find your footing. Um, yeah, there have been some annoyances with agents that have worked with uh, models that we're not familiar with. Uh, there have been some encouraging stories. Um, I would say that if somebody comes into the industry under a certain model and is kind of questioning, um, is that the best one for them? Well, there are resources such as the Travel Advisors Handbook that talk about <laughs> some of the <laughs> models that um, could be alternatives. But, um, I, you know, keep an open mind. Thanks. I think it's also up to the consumer to some degree to vet the person you're working with. Um, we were at a conference a while back where, it was sponsored by one of the MLM agency companies. And it was a whole different vibe because that's all they were looking for was recruitment. They weren't interested in actually learning about the industry that they supposedly were at the conference for. <laughs> and the problem with that, and Scott mentioned it earlier, in my Hall of Fame speech with Clea, I said that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And we need to make sure that every agent is as strong as possible so that we don't have a weak link. And that's the problem you run into. If your mindset is on recruiting and getting free trips, you're in the wrong business. And I'm just going to flat out say it. And uh, you're making other, if you're using that title travel advisor and you're not advising, then you're not only stealing the valor, so to speak, but you're also stealing from the industry and making everybody look bad. And I, I quite frankly, I just will say I won't tolerate it. I just think it's a bad, bad move. Um, and that's why, as Scott mentioned, and I think Michael too, the first chapter of our book is, is this the right industry for you? And we flat out tell people, if you're just thinking it's going to be free trips and free stuff, you're in the wrong place. And if you also think you're going to only do this part-time and not have any backup plan for when you're not working, you're also in the wrong place. Because the last thing you want to have happen is you hire a travel advisor 
and they're only working part time and they say, well, I can't help you tonight or tomorrow or the next day because it's just not convenient for me. Now, Scott and I have a great system and we've helped Michael's helped us out and we've helped him out where if we're unavailable, we'll pass it off to the other person. But it's a seamless transition. You know, I'm getting ready to leave tomorrow for vacation. My voicemail will say, here's Scott's number. He's available. Reach out to him. If Scott's unavailable, he does the same thing. So the customer never suffers. But when you're working with those MLMs, that's the problem is they're spending more time trying to make recruits and hoping maybe those recruits are going to sell something because you're not going to make any money until they do. But what they don't realize is if they'd actually sell, they would do well. They would build their business and they would do well. And we are three testaments to the fact that if you work hard and you keep building your business, it will be successful, but you have to work at it. And that's what I think is missing there is that drive mm-hmm. and that determination because they could be. And let's be clear. There are people that work at the, those MLMs that are great travel advisors. Unfortunately, they're few and far between. And mm-hmm. I wish that there were more of them. Yeah, I think I think all, you, all three of y'all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think all three of y'all, what I, what I heard y'all hit on is that be open-minded. There are other, there are other platforms or ways of doing the mm-hmm. business. Yet the most important part is making sure that the client's taken care of. And that requires education, focus, and you know, not necessarily recruiting recruiting other agents. And and uh, yeah. because at the end of the day, you don't have a business if you don't have clients. Right. right. And I and I mentioned earlier that we're working on a second book and it's consumer facing. And one of the things that the design of this book is is going to be when we finish it, we're targeting uh this time next year for a release. The idea behind it is going to be how can you work with your travel advisor to be a better customer? And one of the things we set up early on in this book, as we've been so far writing it, and it's not completed yet, but the early chapters are basically, here's how you make sure you're working with the right travel advisor. Ask the right questions. Hey, Scott, Chris, or Michael, well, if you're not available, who do I reach out to? Is somebody going to take care of me? What do I do in after hours? Are you available? Can I do this? Can I do that? You know, audition that person when you're hiring them. If you're going to hire a real estate agent, same thing. You want to make sure that they're going to be there beginning, middle, and end of your transaction, not just show up, take your money, and disappear. And that's the same thing with a travel advisor. You know, we close the sale, but we're there afterwards. I can't, Jeremy, I know you and I have spoken several times with questions, or your wife, Lori, and I have spoken about things, you know, or sneaking Jeremy into cabins he didn't know he was booking. Uh, But... uh, But it's one of those things where you have to be, as Michael said earlier, present. You have to be available. And I mean, because quite frankly, let's just say for sake of example, I tell a customer, I can't get back to you for a week. Well, they may miss a big sale or they may miss the opportunity to get on a cruise or or a vacation because it sells out. You've got to be able to be there for the customer. And that's true in any industry. All right. Now let's take it off the rails completely. Um, All right. <laughs> Don't bring it on. with a good time. <laughs> so another industry question. So AI, that's the, that's the big topic right now. Uh-huh. And you're seeing it enter into all industries. It's entering into the, the coaching field in which I do. It's in the real estate industry. It's, a, it's everywhere. How do you see it playing a role in your business uh, moving, moving forward? Is it a tool? Um, are people going to rely on that more? How do you see AI impacting the travel industry? Well, I would start I, with saying, well, oh, sorry, Scott. No, <laughs> um, go ahead, Chris. I, I was going to say that I think that it can be both. It can be a tool or a hindrance. And I, and I think that it's very similar to the battle that we have with websites where you can book your own vacation. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we say the internet is for looking and a good travel advisor is for booking. And I think that's kind of how AI fits into the puzzle. Certainly, there are steps that can be automated. There are things that can be done on an AI level that that I think have some benefit. But at the end of the day, I don't care how well you program a computer, how well you program the artificial intelligence, it cannot replace a human that will get to learn your kids' names, your birthday. And yes, the computer can remember that, but it doesn't care. You're just data to that AI stream. And a true travel advisor will care. And they yeah. will, or or any industry for that matter. You know, you can buy a house on the on the website, you can buy a car online. I don't know why you would without test driving it, but you can. You know, it just it's things like that that you'll never be able to replace the ability for me to sit down and have an hour-long phone call with a customer and make sure that they're comfortable with what they're purchasing. Because you're spending five, 10, 15, 20000 dollars or more on a vacation. I don't want you to be unhappy. And AI mm-hmm. can never be 100 percent sure that it got it right. A great answer. Scott, what do you think? And Chris kind of touched on it. AI, like any other tool, when used properly, can do wonderful things. I've dabbled with it. I've I've used it. I've gone in and, and tried it out. But like any other tool, a hammer, for instance, and I used to use this in my sales training. A hammer is a tool in the right hands, like Homes for Heroes, for example, can do great things and accomplish a lot of good. Mm-hmm. In the hands of somebody that has ulterior motives, it becomes a murder weapon. It could be used to bludgeon somebody to death. It's the exact same tool. So that's an extreme, but it makes the point. A you tool... speak like someone from experience there, Scott. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, a, a, a tool can be used for good or a tool can be used for bad. I mean, that's just yeah. the facts of life. AI is no different. AI is a great tool for assisting people create uh, marketing content, maybe that don't have the money to hire a firm or someone to handle their social media content for their small startup Mm -hmm. business. We all will agree that farming stuff out, leveraging is, is good. It's smart business. If you leverage AI properly, it's an amazing tool, and I think a lot of people will benefit from it. It's just like you know, when those online home sales companies come out every year. The industry goes, oh, my God, they're going to put everybody out of business. <laughs> so far, they haven't. We all said the same thing in all industries about the Internet. I got into real estate about three or four years after getting into travel. We both have the same thing. Oh, the Internet's going to kill us all. You know, there are, there isn't going to be a need for a, a, a real estate agent. There isn't going to need be a need for a travel advisor. We're here. We've heard this song before. We'll waltz through it. I'm going to step on some toes because I'm a lousy dancer, but we're all going to survive. <laughs> well, let me give you one example from Scott and I's old world of radio. You know, Scott and I did many a day covering tropical storms and hurricanes here in Houston. Um, and, and I will give you an example. The AI voice could very well read the weather forecast, could very well tell you with precision accuracy where the storm is and what the speeds are and where it's going. But what it can't do is have that personal touch of knowing who's in that neighborhood and knowing the the, the little things that make Houston unique and make Baytown unique and make Pasadena Pasadena and make uh you know and make Katie. We Katie. just lost two book sales, Chris. Well, that's all right. No, I, I, but anyway, in all seriousness, you know, you 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 can't 
have a computer do those little things that really make that personality-driven uh, product. And that is where radio is fighting this same thing right now with AI. And yeah, the AI can do the introductions of the songs and all that, and it can even have some personality, tell jokes, but it's just not quite the same. Yeah, yeah don't make jokes about Pasadena. I lived there for three years, just south of the paper. That's exactly why I made the joke. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael's going, why are you picking on California? Not Pasadena, Pasadena, Texas. Not the Rose Bowl. Yeah, the ship channel. I did mean your... Pasadena, California, folks, for those of you that are watching in Texas. <laughs> Michael, what's your thoughts? Well, there, there's some exciting opportunities, I think, that um, AI can offer. Um, I mean, we, we talked about generating content as one. I think also, I mean, related to travel, one of the difficulties a consumer has when they go out on the uh, Internet is just the volume of information that's available. I and mean, it's like drinking water from a fire hose. I mean, how do you distill it down to something useful? And you can ask some AI engine, you know, its opinion on something and it takes information from all over having gone through an enormous amount of content, distill it down to some suggestions. And um, there, there's some, you know, amazing content we've seen, but it's a tool. And I think a question that I, ask when using a tool, um, more than how useful is it, is whose tool is it? I mean, it gives me great suggestions. Are they suggestions that are primarily for my benefit or are they driven by something else? Whether it's, um, you know, whoever designed the AI, whoever pumped it with its uh, information or its mission, um, you know, at what point do we just take information and move forward with it. And at what point are we like abdicating our responsibility for making decisions wisely? Um, sure, we can pour content into our website or into a book, you know, asking AI to generate it for us. But what subtleties have been embedded in that content that uh, we may not even really be aware of? And I think, you know, if um, if we get to a point of just accepting the um, the output from any AI um, without really questioning how appropriate it is for our needs, um, who's driving it, then I think essentially, you know, we've we've abdicated from, you know, our role as uh, intelligent beings, moral agents. Um, you know, we, we have to still be aware of, um, you know, what it is we're asking, what it is we're deciding. And if if perhaps AI can point us in a direction to, well, hey, look at this, look at that, and we consider it, but still do our own research. Still, when we're suggesting that you go on a cruise, you know, there's a good chance that um, we've been on that cruise or one like it, or have talked to, um, you know, cruise line executive that, um, um, has been involved in designing and, and creating the product. Um, how do you take that type of, um, you know, sort of touchy-feely, experiential expertise and translate that into AI? Are we there yet? No, definitely not. Will we be there someday? Well, maybe. But again, would be the question, mm -hmm. whose tool is it? Yep. And how do you use the tool? A lot of people don't understand how to use AI. 
AI, most of it is doing its uh, its algorithms are based off assumption. They're assuming a lot of things. They very few of them are direct connect to the internet. There are plugins you can purchase or use to turn on and off its access to the internet. So when you ask AI to you know, research this and provide 13 links, I highly suggest you go through it. If it makes a claim, research it yourself because it could be drawing conclusions based on assumption, not live searches on the internet. Well, we talk about AI replacing things. We're talking about books today and everybody in this chat has written a book. AI could certainly write a book and slap James Patterson's name on it or um, Stephen King for that matter. And I think there's going to be a day and it's probably not too far away where something like that's gonna happen. There's gonna be something generated by AI that people think was done by a real person. And there's gonna be a huge lawsuit, class action of some kind. And then Congress is gonna step in and do what Congress does best, nothing. And then after that, they're going to uh, turn around and create legislation where if you're using AI, you have to disclaim it. Because I think there's gonna be a day where it's gonna come to a head and we're gonna we're gonna have an issue because somebody thought that was a real person and it wasn't. And I think that day is coming sooner rather than later. And that again, yeah. that can be a big problem. It can be a help, but it can also be a big danger. Yeah. Everyone in this group here on screen knows my wife is an educator and has been for over 20 years. So this is a real discussion in education. Now, granted, Michelle's a fifth grade teacher, so they aren't seeing the research projects and everything that they see at junior high and high school. But in the world of education right now, there's a real discussion happening on how do we allow students to use this as a tool, but still mm -hmm. hold them accountable to doing the work themselves? And to me, it's, it's the kind same of discussion simple. we have with the internet. Yeah, it's yeah. the same problem. To, to me, it's it's kind of simple. In math, you have to show your work. Mm -hmm. If you have to show your work and you're outlining your research and everything, that will reduce the amount of people that just turn the assignment over to AI and have them do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. They still have to put some time in. They have to write that outlined and everything. Now, sure, they could copy and paste that into AI and say, you know, provide a prompt like, you know, write me a 350 word essay with 13 sub subdescripts and provide three links for every point given, but they still have to do the work to be able to give that direction. So that to me is a happy medium. Well, in this phase of, of uh, AI that a lot of us are experienced with, I think we're seeing um, a lot of output that's um, you know fresh out of the box that, of AIs that were generated to uh, present sort of objective viewpoints on our questions. But I think the reality will be as we start to implement AI, it will be someone who implemented it for a reason. And what was the objective of whatever you know, whether it's a, whether it's political, whether it's a, you know a, a business mission or goal? What was the agenda in creating a particular engine? And um, you know, just the fact that we're seeing you know what what I, I think are probably relatively objective results, as far as we know. Um, I don't think that will define AI, um, you know, in the in the real world in the in the future. It will be, you know, somebody's um, somebody's AI, and unless you know what fed into it, I mean, like the old garbage in, garbage out. Well, assumptions in, assumptions out. 
political agenda in, political agenda out. I mean, it's going to do very well at doing the, you know, the spins and the reasons that, um, you know, we don't see it right now. We're sort of in the user acceptance mode, I think. And if people accept it without asking too many questions, um, then yeah, I think it could have some really scary results. Yeah, we I haven't gotten to the Arnold Schwarzenegger showing up phase yet. No, so. no robots. Yeah, robots is going to be the next question. <laughs> I'll table that one. Um, yeah, I think Michael hit it best, though, when bringing it and tying it all back up to, to the industry that y'all are in, and, and most any industry, is that at some point there, there has to be human interaction or people are seeking mm -hmm. the human interaction and that experiential um, knowledge of, you know, when I when I book a cruise and Scott or Chris can tell me, Hey, we, we went to this bar and we had this drink and you should try mm -hmm. this food over here. And, you know, you need to have your cabin at this location because I know y'all like it more quiet. You know, you're not going to be able to get that from those, those type of things. Could it be, could it play a support role in the industry, building content marketing? And I, and I do agree with Michael, you have to ask yourself the output, is that really what I wanted? Or let me read that again and make sure that is my own personal thoughts or values behind mm -hmm. that. Uh, because at the end of the day, it is created by somebody that has an agenda, uh, whatever that may be. Um, you know, it's it's not necessarily to to our good. So I think it's good to ask those questions and challenge it, you know, figure out how to use it as a tool, but well, also ultimately understand that people want that relationship. Uh, where somebody's involved in the transaction and and has that ex experiential uh, feeling to it, uh, because I think that's really important, especially with travel. Travel is one of those things. It's about the feelings and the emotions and the memories that are created. And I don't think those tools, at least not yet, um, hopefully they'll never be, but you know, not at a place where it could replace that. And yeah, um, so and that, I, I can never eat in that restaurant. Yeah, I can never eat in that restaurant. It can never sleep in that bed and tell you what it feels like. Yeah. No. And AI can't attend a conference and run into a cruise director that's going to be on the ship of a client and mm -hmm. ask that cruise director to shoot a video specifically geared towards the children of that oh, did Scott? Did Scott McAllister do that? that he might have. I seem to remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> that that cruise director, cool. by the way, right now is running all of Carnival Cruise Line's cruise director. So yep. uh, <laughs> he is the cruise director captain or whatever they call him. But yeah, uh, still has the best suits in town, but then that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, my my kids never forgot that, to be able to have that video and and knowing that they're going to be on the ship. And then when they got to meet them, you know, that just, it just kind of validated that. And it, mm -hmm. it made a really cool experience for the week. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's that AI. Yeah, <laughs> take that. <laughs> All right, so you've got ideas of, of the future. So this is like the base. So you've built the travel advisor's handbook, and you're you're going to new places with this. Where where do you see this taking you? You've already mentioned a, a consumer facing book. Is there apparel? I see you're wearing shirts. Is there hats? <laughs> is there swimsuits? You know what's what's next for y'all? Well. Chris, go go ahead. Okay, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> so obviously the uh, the 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 idea behind this book was to try to create something that was more or less evergreen, so that it could be something that could could live on for a while. I can see where in the future we would be 
making some changes to it and some adaptations as the industry grows. Certainly, I think AI will be a chapter in a future edition because it is something that everybody is on everybody's mind right now. Um, but I would, again, hearken it back to the days of the internet coming in. We survived that. We'll survive anything along the way. Uh, we're working on the consumer-facing book. I will also say that we have a couple of other irons in the fire. Uh, we're toying around with the idea of a fictional series uh, that will be set in the travel world. And that is something that we hoped to eventually get to. Um, the other book kind of jumped in the front of the line, but the, <laughs> because we also think it's something that we can produce fairly quickly. Uh, but the, the fictional area is something we would like to explore. We're also playing around with some historical ideas. Um, and I don't want to say too much beyond that, but just to say that uh, we're thinking of what could we do in the realm of historical nonfiction that would be interesting and be in the travel space. And we think we might have a few ideas there uh, that we would need to leverage those contacts we made throughout making this book uh, <laughs> to be able to do it. But it's some stuff that I think if you're a person that enjoys the history of certain products and certain types of travel, you might find what we're playing with interesting. So that's where we're headed. And then we'll do the Spaceballs thing. We'll have Travel Advisor's Handbook, The Lunchbox, and Travel Advisor's Handbook, The Thong, <laughs> and everything else you can think of along the way, because we're not ashamed to make money. Uh, and, and, you know, publishing a book is not the way to do it, so we got to find some other way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the action win. figures. I mean, yeah, action figures. <laughs> but, you know, we, we have talked about... Uh, promoting some speaking engagements and training opportunities and things like that as well as the authors of the travel advisor handbook where you know we'll attend a conference as presenters and help other agents be more successful in their business i think that's that's great all right speed round so uh, we'll start with uh we're gonna start with michael if you could leave one piece of advice to the listener today business or life something maybe you've learned over the years what would that be well, other than, you know, listen to this podcast, you know, every episode that comes out, um, <laughs> I would say, um, you know, think about who your learning community is, who, who are those people that can uh, support you in, in what you do? I mean, that's the spirit that we really tried to bring to this book, you know, not just agents helping agents people helping people, but define your community. You know, who are you learning from? Who are your mentors? I love that because in the last episode with uh, Chad Himes, we talked about the mm -hmm. question ladder and the most powerful question being the who, you know, who are you aligning yourself with? Who are you learning from? And so I, I love that super powerful question. Scott. You know, and I kind of alluded to this earlier. If something's been placed on your heart, it's been placed there for a reason. So if you've been thinking about started a new adventure as an opportunity opportunity uh, yeah uh, start your own business uh maybe that's not water in my cup i don't know but um you know if you thought about writing a book or training curriculum or something talk to somebody that's done it before somebody put that on your heart for a reason and it doesn't have to be a huge you know capital interest thing it can be something as simple as hey on wednesdays i'm going to be available at starbucks and i'm going to let other people in my industry know hey i'm going to be here to answer your questions it doesn't always have to be consumer facing you know help help the people in your industry mm -hmm. how good does that make you look and more importantly i know it just makes me feel good when i'm helping other people especially in my industry not just clients love that chris 
I think it's one word for me, authenticity. Um, if you are your true self, for better or for worse, sure, there are going to be people that don't like you, and there are going to be people that love you, but they're going to want to work with you because you are who you are. The biggest compliment that I get from customers and, quite frankly, from friends is, I love your passion. I love your enthusiasm about what you do, and it is apparent. And it's not that I just sell cruises. I love going on them. It's not that I just sell travel. I love traveling the world. I'm leaving tomorrow to go to Europe for vacation to travel the world. Yep. I love getting to share that with other people. So to me, it's not sales. It's simply sharing what I enjoy, and I hope you enjoy it too. And if you're a first-time cruiser, I'm going to make you an expert before you ever get on the ship. And if you've done it like Jeremy has a million times, we're still going to have fun talking about it. But if you're authentic in whatever you do, you'll be successful. Don't put on a front. Don't be fake. Don't try to be what you think they want you to be. Be who you are. And you'll sell yourself because that's your product. It's not real estate. It's not a book. It's not travel. It's you. You're selling yourself. I love that authenticity. All right. How do I get a copy? So I've got all these listeners out there that want to buy a copy of this book. Where do they, where do they find it? www.tahandbook.com. And you can buy the book on there. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and then also on Apple Books. So on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, we've got hardcover and softcover books available. And those are actually the most popular, the softcover. And then we also do have it for uh, Kindle, Nook, and for Apple Books. So you can get it digitally if you would like to. Um, it's $24.95 for the hardback, $19.99 for the softcover, and $9.99 for the digital copy. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, thank you for writing this book. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of it as well. Uh, I, I'm going to really encourage you if you're a business owner, you, you don't have to be a travel agent. If you are, that's great. But any business owner out there that's thinking about running a, their business at a higher level, go pick up a copy of the Travel Advisor Handbook. And I, I think it's going to be a benefit to, to you and to, to your business as well and to the clients that you serve. Um, so do that self for you. But again, thank you, Scott, Michael, and thank you, Chris, for being on the show today. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Jeremy. All right. Thank until you. next time, onward and upward. Thank you for listening to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. If you heard something that made a difference in your life today, share it with someone that might benefit and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Learn more about the host of this podcast and coaching services offered by Red Hawk Coaching by visiting www.redhawkcoaching.com.